Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner. Happy to be with you today, even though our topic is depression. I promise you this will not be a depressing program, quite the contrary. We're going to talk about the roots and the causes of depression, which in most cases is anxiety. How to address those causes and deal with depression. Not just cope with it, but really fix it, solve it, manage it's a good word for it. Without relying on the faulty notion that there's some chemical missing in your brain, and here's some antidepressants to restore that balance, that is very misleading. Even though some people do benefit from antidepressants, they're usually serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and so they artificially bathe your brain and spinal column in an excessive level of neurotransmitters that make you feel good, endorphins and uh, dopamine and norepinephrine. And so to suggest that these chemicals are missing in your brain and this little Prozac or Valium or Paxil or whatever it is you're taking is a lot, uh, is going to restore the balance is false and misleading. Some people get benefits, but of course there's a downside You may feel less depressed, but you'll also feel less of everything else because these are filters in a sense. And so there's less of all kinds of feeling and less likelihood you're ever going to really be happy or joyous. So I'm not completely opposed to antidepressants, especially if they're used in the short term while some therapy or lifestyle changes are taking effect to address the root causes of the depression. But, again, if you just take a pill, you're not... I mean, think about uh, aspirin and a headache. If every day you have to take aspirin for a headache, you, you might at some point say, why am I getting these headaches? Maybe I should figure out what the headache is a symptom of, and instead of treating the symptom, go a little deeper and look for the cause, Right. Maybe I need a new pair of glasses, right? Maybe it's eye strain. Who knows? Uh, Maybe it's my boss at work who's an absolute jerk. And uh, it could be many things, but that's what we have to do with depression and anxiety and everything else in our lives is go to the cause of the problem, become better problem solvers. So we're going to talk about the causes of depression. I will tell you that Some depression, a very small percentage, is genetically related. There is such a thing, apparently. And there are types of depression that are related to illness or a medical condition, like a thyroid problem can, in some instances, create symptoms that, by all appearances, are classic depression. But, in fact, is a symptom of the thyroid condition or some other illness or or problem. So having said that, the vast majority of depression is rooted in anxiety. And if we're going to deal with the depression and face it head on, we got to look at the underlying cause. You're not broken if you're depressed. You're not lacking some brain chemical. 
you're working perfectly fine. Your brain and your whole physiology, immune system is saying you're doing something that is not healthful, right? You're overstimulated. You're feeling out of control. Perhaps you have no sense of meaning and purpose in your life. Uh, Perhaps uh, you don't feel like you belong or fit in or maybe best said, you just don't understand yourself very well. Who are you? What makes you tick? Why do you feel the way you feel? What makes you like so many other people in some ways and yet unique, absolutely one of a kind in other wonderful ways? And this is terrifying for most people. They're afraid they're going to find out that the criticism they got as children is valid, that uh, maybe they really are bad or wrong or inadequate or stupid or deserve to be bullied or, or whatever. There's a reason the Viennese psychiatrist strokes his goatee and says, Vel, tell me about your childhood, because that's the source of so much of our pain and discomfort, so much of our heartache can be traced back to unresolved hurt from childhood. When we didn't really understand why we were hurting, why we were crying, often admonished for crying and even threatened for feeling our feelings, not allowed to speak out as if we had no right to express ourselves. And of course, lacking the vocabulary and as well as the understanding to express ourselves. So a great deal of therapy is about working with that inner child and facilitating the adult that your client has become, revisiting, regressing to those childhood incidents with the vocabulary and understanding that they now have as an adult and addressing those misunderstood uh, childhood heartaches and the false assumptions that grow out of that. Now, before I go any further, I want to mention that you can get a hold of me and sign up for my newsletter at any one of my websites, but I think the primary website to tell you about is simply michaelbenner.com. Uh, you can email me at my initials, mb at michaelbenner.com, or just go to the website, michaelbenner.com, and there's a button there where you can send me an email, and you can also sign up for the newsletter that comes out every uh, couple of weeks or so. And that way you can track the publication of my book, which is going to be coming up in just a couple of months, Fearless Intelligence is the title. The subtitle is The Extraordinary Wisdom of Awareness. And addressing fear is what we're going to talk about today. Again, call it fear, call it anxiety, call it stress, worry, nervousness, apprehension. (laughs) It's all the same thing. It's not about danger. It's about what you do not understand. Feeling afraid and apprehensive, nervous and worried is not a signal that there's some threat or hazard in front of you. It's a signal that you don't understand what's going on. You're lacking information, you're unaware or confused. And so the antidote is to 
understand whatever you need to understand. Usually it has to do with the nature of who you are as an individual, to know thyself, as the ancient philosophers indicated. Another good website to visit is simply about.me slash Michael Benner. And uh, no space between Michael Benner. You know how this works. About.me slash Michael Benner. And that's a real concise little website where you can also send me a message. Find out more about what I do, the private counseling. And I do business seminars and corporate retreats and convention speaking. But mostly I work with individuals and couples by telephone or Skype or WhatsApp or Hangout or Zoom or (laughs) telephone, however you want to do it, with private clients all around the world. And I'd be happy to offer you a free intake session and see if I can help you. So let's talk about exactly what depression is and what we can do about it. Depression is sadness, in a word. It's despair. And there's even a certain amount of uh, numbness that goes with being depressed. It's odd that uh, depression hurts, even though it makes us numb. There is a special kind of hurt that goes with not feeling all your other hurts. And not feeling in general, the broad range of feelings leads to a an ache or a desperation, which is a a big part of the experience of of depression and what that's all about. Whether it's short-term, a day or three days, most depression just lasts a a day or two or three at most. But there is chronic depression, long-term depression. And again, let's go into some some of the elements of what's at the root of that. Again, I want to underscore that the vast majority of depression is really anxiety, all right? There's not a difference. It doesn't mean that all anxiety leads to depression, but it does mean that the vast majority of depression is rooted in anxiety, which is fear, stress, worry, uh, and rumination, you know? It becomes a vicious circle where rumination and worry promote anxiety, which causes more rumination and worry. Rumination is focusing on the past and asking unanswerable questions like, why me? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? I don't deserve this. This isn't fair. Why is this happening? That's rumination. And you're just digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper when you do that. Worry is similar, only it focuses on the future, asking, well, what if? And what you notice about rumination and worry is whether you get stuck in the past or stuck in the future, you're avoiding the present moment. Unconsciously, these are strategies to repress the heartache and the pain of depression. And so the antidote dealing with depression and and the anxiety at its source requires us to move into the present moment and to stop the judging, stop the self-blame, release the whole concept of 
victimization and being the target of a life that's done to you. Recognize that while you may not have very much control over what happens to you or what's done to you, you always have control over how you look at it and what you choose to do with it. And getting your sense of control back reduces anxiety and the associated depression. Now, you may be surprised to hear that one of the leading factors of anxiety and depression is feeling that your life is meaningless. And maybe that doesn't surprise you. Maybe the light bulb goes on when you hear me say that. Well, of course. You know, I've got a job I hate, working for a boss that uh, has made a pact with Satan. I mean, <laughs> just... I don't understand why I do what I do. I don't feel like I'm having an impact on the world. I'm not making things better. I'm barely keeping up with my bills. And every morning, I have to get out of bed, uh, commute across town, dress up in this uh, monkey suit that's not very comfortable, and go work for a guy that does not respect me and for whom I have a difficult time respecting and trusting and and caring about it all. And if we expand on the idea of a meaningless career or a meaningless job and bad management, just the fact that most of us live in big cities, the urban lifestyle is a major contributor to anxiety and depression, the frenetic pace, the excessive driving, the lack of real social contact. I mean, you may see a lot of people, uh, wave at them, smile at them, salute them with the middle finger or whatever, but that's not social contact. That's not sitting down and actually listening to what somebody has to say and connecting on a deeper level. That's essential to creating purpose and meaning in your life, uh, as well as a sense of belonging. This is essential to good mental health, is love, that you feel loved and cared about, and that you experience yourself caring about and loving other people. Uh, Call it belonging. Uh, In a family situation, it's called kin care, but it has to go beyond just caring about your kinfolk and your your family, to uh, your neighbors and your community and your state and your nation and hopefully your world, caring about that. But the challenge, of course, is what can I do about it, right? All these problems seem so big and overwhelming. And that's where that old axiom about think globally, act locally comes in. You do what you can do. And this brings me to my next point, which is we've talked about this in the past in a program we did on codependency, and I want to do another one in the future. Are you putting yourself first, and are you meeting your own needs? Or have you allowed yourself to become such a people pleaser that you find yourself trapped in relationships with people who manipulate you by refusing to be pleased? So here you are trying to please an unpleasable person so that you can feel some gratitude and appreciation that you need to fulfill you. And all they have to do is give you 
most of that, but withhold a little, and you're trapped. And you feel like, why is my best not good enough? This reinforces the inadequacy I've felt all of my life. And they're just manipulating you. Often, the codependent relationships, these people are completely unaware of the game they're playing. They don't get the strategy on a conscious level. They're just unpleasable people. And here you are trying to please them so you can feel good about yourself. Remember, every time you get on an airplane, they remind you if the air mask drops, put yours on first before you try to help other people with theirs. Now, why do they have to tell you that in every single airplane? Because it's human nature to help other people and ignore our own needs. Now, that may be sentimental, but it's foolish. You have to address your own needs, put yourself first, and then be of service to other people. I've said for years, selfish people put themselves first and then behave in selfish ways. But the most loving, charitable, philanthropic women and men put themselves first and then act in charitable and loving and kind and <laughs> philanthropic ways, don't you see? Feed yourself before you go feed other people. You've got to be healthy if you're going to help anybody. And often we don't do that. We overlook that. We're afraid we'll appear to be selfish or self-centered. And again, that excessive concern about what other people might think and the appearance of things, these are signs of poor mental health and bad judgment, usually rooted in anxiety and one of the primary causes of, uh, of depression, which is what we're talking about. So the idea that you have to have meaning and purpose in your life, and if you feel like you're committed to the city and can't move to the country, okay, fine. At least be aware of your need to go into a city park and go for a walk, to go down to the beach, to walk through a canyon, to get out of town once in a while, to spend quality time with people that you love and care about, to meet new people, uh, to be a, a volunteer and provide community service and to balance your life. Another factor we have to address is diet. Our junk food diet is not real food and it's convenient and it fits in a frenetic lifestyle, but the lack of fresh fruits and vegetables is one of the primary causes of anxiety and depression. Think of your ancestors 25, 30,000 years ago, wandering through the forests and the plains and the prairies and looking for food beyond killing animals, they're looking for brightly colored vegetables and fruits. And their bodies evolved out of a reliance on brightly colored fruits and vegetables. And that's the same thing our bodies need. We inherited these bodies and the reliance on the particular vitamins and minerals and especially important, these phytonutrients that are in real organic foods. Gotta have it. Maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, as you get older and older, 
and the pressures build and the anxiety leads to depression, you have to look at your diet and say, am I eating real food? Is it organic or is it full of pesticides and chemicals? Is it genetically modified? Is this Franken food or is it real? Is it grown organically in the ground? And maybe it does have a couple little bug spots on it. I'm not sure I want to eat food that bugs won't touch, right? You might want to ask yourself, is the bug smarter than you are? It's not appearance that matters. It's, is it wholesome? Is it organic? Is it real? And is it fresh? Now, how much grain you eat, that's up to you. Grains are relatively new in the human diet. We engineered those. Uh, how much grain you eat, how much protein, your source of protein, do you eat meat, what kind of meat, what about dairy, I'll leave all that up to you, but there's no question that we need fresh fruits and vegetables. Sleep is another thing you've got to look at. Most people are not getting nearly enough sleep. A sedentary lifestyle, we talk about the need to exercise. You know, physically, you got to use it if you want to avoid losing it, but it's not just the physiological benefits of moving that are healthful and reduce anxiety. It's introducing some variance into your life. Get up and go do something different. Go move around and breathe some air and encounter somebody new and stimulate your brain and go read something. <laughs> As well as exercising, it's just the variety of it all. So make sure you get enough sleep, but at the same time, avoid a sedentary lifestyle and exercise and get some variety going in your life. Excessive social media usage, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but too much time on Twitter and Facebook and, again, concerned about what other people think and getting liked and how many shares and some of this we may need to do for the business that we're in. But how much is enough? You want to think about that. Believe it or not, cigarette smoking and vaping nicotine products is a leading cause of anxiety and depression. And, of course, chronic illness. And in that I include not only heart disease and diabetes and cancer and such, but just the effects of aging. In the Buddhist tradition, the idea of suffering is about three things, basically. Sickness, aging, and death. And it's likely you're going to encounter all three of those at some time. And that's what a Buddhist calls suffering. It's not like misery uh, or agony or torture. It's just the despair of being sick, of growing old, and knowing that you're mortal, your life, you're impermanent, you're, you're going to die. And to have a sense of what that's all about and to face that directly is very important. To read literature about death and dying, to expose yourself to comparative religion, to reinforce your own particular faith and belief, and to examine it carefully Ask yourself, is this like some sort of kindergarten fantasy that I'm believing in about an afterlife? Or do I have reason to believe that I'm conscious energy 
an awareness that cannot be created or destroyed and transcends the experience of death, not in a religious but in a spiritual sense. This can help you deal with aging and eventually facing your own mortality. Now that's about all the time we have today. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, you know I am a proponent of meditation and contemplation and prayer-like introspection and whatever form it takes to close your eyes, to breathe, to relax, and to explore the space between wide awake and deep asleep. That whole, scientists call it the alpha brainwave level, that whole space to feel relaxed, even vulnerable, yet safe, with your eyes closed, to slow your breathing, to create and sense a softening, a, a yielding, a letting go feeling in your body from head to toe, and uh, just watch your thoughts without thinking. Just be the watcher of your thought, or watch your body breathing itself. Focus gently on the bottom of your nose and just watch the automatic in-breath and out-breath until you realize you're not the breather, you're the watcher of the breath. That level of detachment is called mindfulness. And after a little bit of practice, you can bring that into your daily life and affairs. And without making any effort that a word like concentration might suggest, You can simply be an observer of reality in the present moment without judgment. That's the secret, to learn to watch things with a sense of acceptance. Not as a kind of surrender or there's nothing I can do about that, so why even be concerned? That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance means to acknowledge the reality of something and not judge it as good or bad or right or wrong. You just don't know. And this is a major cornerstone of all the wisdom traditions around the world. Just stop judging things as good or bad. What you see as a curse could be a blessing in disguise, and what you're hoping for as great fortune could be disastrous. Maybe not, but maybe. You you don't know, and... Micromanaging life is a primary cause of anxiety and depression, as if, you know, everything would fall apart if you didn't hold yourself together. Try this sometime. Here's a meditation exercise for you. Just sit in a chair or on a sofa or a pillow and put your attention on your body and ask yourself as you move your awareness from your head down into your body, Do I believe I have to hold myself together? What would happen if I let go? Would my body fall apart into little pieces? Well, obviously not, but let's try it. Oh, do I have to worry that the chair is going to break or that the floor will give way and I'll fall to the center of the earth? No, that's not very likely, so... Why are you holding on, and what are you holding on to? Physically, what are you holding on to in your body that you can let go of? 
And that leads to what thoughts are you holding on to? What beliefs do you cling to without any real understanding of why you believe what you believe? And that leads to the emotions and the holding on of emotions. You know, you cannot hold on to love and you don't need to because it's everywhere equally present. Awareness itself is everywhere. You don't need to hold on to it. So all holding on is a fear and anxiety response. Look at your hands when you hold on. You're gripping. You know, you can ride the roller coaster expressing your fear by holding on tightly or express your excitement by raising your hands up in the air and shouting, Whee! The roller coaster itself doesn't care, and the ride is no less safe. If you refuse to hold on, it's every bit as safe. And in many ways, that's life. It's a roller coaster. But you're safe, and you don't need to hold on. And you don't need to micromanage everything in your life. If you just did nothing, things would work out. I understand the reality of having to work and earn money and once or twice a month sit down and pay bills. I know that as well as anybody. But there's a difference between running around like a chicken with your head cut off in a big city like Los Angeles or New York or Chicago and somebody out in the heartland of America who's sitting on their porch in a rocking chair watching the sun go down and not really doing much of anything but watching the grass grow and the earth spin and Everything is okay with the world, and these people are less anxious and less depressed often, and they live a whole lot longer. They have more meaning and purpose to their lives because they're closer to the ground. They're connected to nature. They know what's real, and they feel that meaning and purpose. And the city and our crazy, chaotic, frenetic lifestyle is just too man-made, too unreal, not enough integrity to sustain good mental health. So think about relaxing. Think about stress management. Think about meditation and contemplation, which we talk about a lot in this series and we will continue to. Thank you very much for being with us today. Tell your friends about it. Share it. We're, of course, in the iTunes store. We're available through Google Play for Android people. We're highlighted on Stitcher and most other podcast aggregators and player apps. The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. You can search by name of the program or by my name and uh, shouldn't have any problem finding it. Thanks for being with us. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benham. So long from Palm Springs.